We're just going to read this morning from Psalm chapter 42, Psalm chapter 42, and then across into John chapter 7, John chapter 7. Amen. We'll just pray. Lord, we do just thank you. Lord God, you have just given us the victory this morning. Lord God, we thank you for your presence in our midst. Lord God, we do just pray this morning. Lord God, you would, Lord God, just touch our hearts afresh. Lord God, you would just fill us afresh with the Holy Ghost and with power. You would, Lord God, give us that renewed vision of you. Lord God, that renewed vision of Calvary this morning. Lord God, we thank you this morning for everything that you've done in these lives. Lord God, we pray that you'd be with us this morning. We ask for more of your presence today, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you'd fill us anew, fill us the overflow, fill us, Lord God, with thy Holy Spirit today, Lord God. We do just pray, Lord God, for your word. Give us hearts of faith to believe you. Give us eyes to see, Lord God. Give us ears to hear what you would have to say, Lord God. We pray for every life today, praying your blessing and your encouragement upon it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Psalm 42, just... uh, Two verses, Psalm 42 and verse 1. As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Just over in the John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse 37, the well-known scripture. John 7 and 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. As the deer pants for the water brook, So my soul longs after you. The psalmist speaking of a thirsting for God. The question this morning, friends, just has to be simply, are you thirsty for God this morning? In this life we crave, we thirst many things. We crave attention. We desire to be liked. We want to be accepted. We desire money. We long for better cars. But friends, at the core of it all this morning... I just ask this one question. Is there a thirsting and a longing for the one true God? Is there a longing for more of him? Is there a longing for his presence? Is there a longing for his power? Is there a longing for his touch? The psalmist cries, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. Friends, you've come this morning, maybe you're weighed down and maybe you're burdened. You've come this morning, maybe there's trouble at home. Maybe there's trouble in the workplace. You've come this morning. Maybe you're sick in body. But at the center of it all, despite all the trouble, despite all the trials, is there a longing in the depths of your soul? Is there a cry like the psalmist? As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts after you. Is there a longing and a thirst this morning for more of him? Maybe you've come in battered and beaten this morning. But despite all the troubles, Despite all the sicknesses, despite it all, friends, have you come to God's house this morning and the cry from the depths of your heart is, I am thirsty for God. As we start this morning, I want to take us from the natural and the ordinary 
And I want to invite you to lift your eyes to the spiritual and into the eyes of the spiritual which God has already put in motion. I understand some this morning have come to this service worried about the events of tomorrow. For some the bottom has fallen out of life. Some this morning feel abandoned and hopeless. But friends, I want to tell you, whatever you're facing today, whatever happens in your tomorrow, God knows everything all about it. Even now he knows every detail. But now he's even made arrangements for something significant. He's made arrangements for something supernatural, something powerful, something healing, something restoring to happen today on your behalf. Friends, I want to tell you because the Bible says there is a river that makes glad the city of our God. Friends, there is a river. There is a river in this house that is flowing this morning. It's not a natural river. It's not the coil or the lagging, friends, or the ban. It's the river of the Holy God. And everything we need this morning is in that river. Whether it be healing, whether it be deliverance, whether it be breakthrough, whatever the need this morning, financial, spiritual, emotional, everything you need is found in the river of life this morning. There is a river this morning. There is a river. And Jesus said, out of believers' bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Are you a believer this morning? Are you thirsty this morning? Are you your soul and your heart and everything within you this morning, friends? My soul pants like the deer and thirsting after God. My soul is thirsting after you this morning. There is a river, friends. There is dry and thirsty souls in this room this morning. Friends, God has provided a river this morning. There is a river that makes glad the city of our God. I want to tell you there's a river the psalmist said. I'm thirsty for God. But friends, this psalm isn't like the psalm of David where he's crying in a dry place because of sin. But this psalm is written by a man who's hungering and thirsting after God. He says in verse 1, As the deer or the heart pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Friends, is there a cry in your heart this morning? I'm going to make the point this morning. Is there a cry in your heart this morning? I want more of God. You see, if there's no thirst, friends... You're either in serious trouble, friends, or you're dead altogether. Because where there's no thirst, I want to tell you, you're about to die. But friends, is there a thirst for God this morning? Doesn't really matter how much you've done for God. Doesn't really matter how much you've seen for God. But if there's no thirst, there's something seriously wrong. Friends, you see, Paul the Apostle said, despite the miracles I've done, despite the great things I've seen and done in God, despite the people that have even back to life. He says, I count that all is done, but that I might know him and the power of his resurrection this morning. Moses said in the book of Exodus, despite the bread that fell from heaven, despite the water from the rock, despite the parting of the Red Sea, he said, it's not enough. He says, God, you've got to show me your glory. I'm thirsty for more of you. Friends, despite the problems and the trials, despite the things that are going on in your home, Despite what's happened this week, despite what's happened even this morning, is there a thirst this morning? I want more of God. Friends, there is a river this morning that never shall run dry. But the problem so often is 
There's no thirst. Jeremiah said in chapter 2 and verse 13, But my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and dug themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can howl, that can hold no water. They've forsaken the water and gone after other fountains this morning. Friends, Jesus told that woman at the well, If you drink from that well, if you drink from that water, you will thirst again. It will leave you thirsty over and over again. But he said of that woman, If you would ask of me, I'll give you living water. He said, if you'll ask of me, I'll quench that thirst forever, friends. You'll never thirst like that again. Friends, there is a river this morning that makes glad the city of our God. There is a fountain that has been opened in the house of David. God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Everything has been provided. Everything is there. And friends, we need to save our thirst and our appetite for him. You see, friends, at dinner time, we could go to McDonald's. We could eat a Big Mac. We could quickly fill our appetites. There would be a quick quenching of the thirst. But friends, I want to tell you, it's worth far much more than a few quid to go home and save the appetite for the woman that loves you, friends. It's far more important to go back because she's put a labor of love upon that table, friends. But when I get into his presence, friends, you see, I want to save my appetite for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to keep myself from this world. I don't want to feed on its carnality. I don't want to feed on its earthly devices. But when I get into his presence, when I get to his altar in the morning, I'm going to find me an altar in the morning. I'm going to find me a place where I can call upon him. I'm going to come to his table and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for you. You see, friends, I can do without TV. I can do without the contraptions of this world. But friends, I cannot do without the living God this morning. You see, friends, the first signs of life are I'm thirsty. When someone's sick, The last thing they want to do is drink or eat. But the favorite words of every doctor, the favorite words of every nurse, the favorite words of every mother nursing that child back to health, they know things are looking up when they hear those words, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty. I'm sure Jesus rejoiced with that woman at the well in John chapter 4. Here's a woman who had five previous husbands, now living with a man who's not even her husband. She's never been thirsty for God. She's never been thirsty for God. She's spiritually dead. And he only talks with her for a couple of minutes. He said, if you drink of this water, you shall surely thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He cultivated a thirst in this woman's life. You see, Jesus creates the thirst, friends. He's the one that drew us, friends. No man can come unless the Father drums. God is always working in your life, friends. The dry times, the hard times, the difficult times, friends. God is in control this morning. He is creating a deeper thirst for Him. After only a couple of minutes, this woman says, Give me this water that I know not of, or neither come to draw. Give me this water that you talk about. Only talk to him for a few minutes. And she says, Give me that water that you have. He creates the thirst, friends. He said to that woman, I can work with you because you have a thirst. 
Friends, if you're thirsty this morning, you're in the right place. If you need God this morning, I want to tell you something. You're in the right place. If you need a touch this morning, you're in a right place. If you need a miracle in your life this morning, I want to tell you you're in the right place because there is a river and everything it touches, it heals this morning. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. I will in no wise cast him out. He says, any man, no stipulation, no grades of people. He says, if any man has one thing, if he thirsts after me, I will put within him a river of everlasting life. He doesn't turn anyone away this morning. He doesn't tell anyone not to come. He said, I'm not afraid of your need this morning, but you bring that need to me. He says, if your friends or your family, they need something, you tell them to come to me. He says, if your workmates or your neighbor's have a need, you tell them to come to me. If they need a miracle, don't be afraid to invite them to a meeting because I'll meet everything of that need. You tell them to come because I am the answer to that life. I am the true and the living Savior. He that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God cultivates the thirst. He creates the thirst this morning. We can't create it. We can't drum it up, friends. We can't sing a few songs and hopefully it'll come, friends. Friends, we can respond to that desire that he has put within our lives. But friends, he's the one that's creating the thirst this morning. He's the one that's bringing you the whole way through. He's the one that's brought you through every trial. He's the one that's brought you through every sickness. But he's bringing you a place, friends, where he can manifest his his destined will for your life this morning. God creates the thirst. The psalmist says... As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. He says, my soul thirsts for God. That word thirst in the Greek is chea. It means vigorous, fresh. It means living water. It means a set of experiences, not just a singular one-time deal. And in essence, he's saying, I want to know you. I want the experience you got. I want the experience to be real. I'm thirsting and I'm hungering for you. I want the living God. Friends, is there a thirst in your heart this morning? I want God. I want a living experience. I don't want a one-time deal. You know, me and Lyd were talking there. Just for some, it just ends at salvation. We're talking about somebody that said this. But then you see those old-time saints and those missionaries, friends, and they go through their lives and they just leave salvation and they go and they sell all of their life for God. And they've testimony after testimony after what, what God has done. But friends, don't be, don't be discouraged by that. Because friends, as I said to Lyd this morning, there's quiet times in your life. There'll be quiet times where God is dealing with you. There'll be hard times where he's doing something in your life. He's creating a thirst for him. You see, friends, religion won't do it for anybody. Death won't do it for anybody. A sermon won't do it for anybody, friends. But friends, the living God is the only thing that'll satisfy these souls. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Friends, I tell you, sermons don't do it for me. These things won't ever do it for me. A pat in the back, well done, Brent, you preach good, it'll never do it for me. But friends, I thank you for those things. But friends, I want God, and I want everything he has for me this morning. In verse 2, he says, in essence, I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want the experience to be real. I'm thirsty and I'm hungry for you. I want the living God. 
And I believe that's the cry of every heart this morning. You don't want religion. You don't want just a religious experience. You want the living God. You've had your fill of religious experiences and the death that goes with it. But this man is saying, God, I want you and I want that experience to be real. In verse 2, he asks the question, when shall I come and appear before God? That word appear means to see or intellectually conceive. He's saying, I'm thirsting for you. I'm hungering for you. I want you. I want a real living relationship with you. But there's, a, there's something happening here. There's a thirsting and there's a dryness in my life. But when will I understand? When will I come before you? And when will I understand what you're doing in my life? When will I have an understanding? When will I intellectually begin to understand you're working in my life? Have you ever been at that point, friends? God, what are you doing in my life? Friends, I think we've all been there about a million times. God, what are you doing? But he's been faithful every single time. Psalm 42 and 3. My tears have been my meat night and day. When they continually say unto me, where is thy God? He's saying, I'm seeking you. But instead, my heart feels so heavy and broken. And then he says, there are voices now that are mocking me. And the truth of my claim that I know you. Friends, have you ever heard the voices as you're driving the car? Are you sure this is real? Are you sure you haven't been duped? Have you got this all wrong? Is God even real? But friends, this is what happens to those people who are truly seeking God. You're going to go through this. You've asked God to do a work in your life. You've asked Him to fill you with the Holy Ghost and with power. You want to see revival come. You want to be a part of it, friends. Well, friends, He's going to empty everything of you that He might fill you with everything of Himself. There's only one river that's going to satisfy. The broken cisterns, the fountains, the TV, the media, everything else, friends. It's never going to satisfy. But there's only one fountain that will satisfy. And He says, I am that fountain of living water this morning. The cry comes into your heart. You seek Him with all your heart, but there seems to be this dryness. And the cry comes into your heart, God, what are you doing in me? You get up in the morning and you pray, and you seek Him in the belief this will bring instantaneous joy into your life. Every morning you get up and you say, God's going to meet my need. God's going to do something great today. And friends, that's right. And that's true. That today is the day that God will meet you. But yet there seems this dryness or this brokenness in your life. Friends, these things are written for our learning and our understanding. You see, there's dryness and there's brokenness. But friends, I want to tell you everything is in the hand of God this morning. When will you help me to understand what is going on in my life? I'm seeking you and all these voices are mocking the reality of you. He says in verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. He says, Lord, what is happening to me? I'm going to the house of God. I'm praising you. I'm lifting my hands and my voice. I'm singing the songs of Zion in your presence. I'm keeping holy day. I'm there on a Sunday. I'm obeying you. I'm honoring you. I'm doing what I know to do. I tick the boxes. But verse 5 says, But why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? He says, I'm doing all these things, but why am I cast down? Why is my life constantly feeling like it's in the pits? He says, I'm doing all these things. I'm going to church 
I'm seeking you, but why is my soul cast down? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why can't I just lift myself out of this? Friends, because God's doing a work. Friends, oftentimes like this, we ask the wrong questions. You should not be asking, why am I cast down? But Lord, what are you doing in my life? See, the focus was on himself. Focus was on his problems. Focus was on all his troubles and all his trials. Friends, but I will look up onto the hills from whence cometh my help, because my help cometh from the Lord. He begins to do the very thing we all do. We begin to think it's the enemy. He begins to believe there's something wrong, just like us. We get our toes stamped. It's the devil. We go out with just a t-shirt on, get a cold. It's the devil. We get a bit of opposition from work. It's the devil. No, friends, it's your personality. It's mine anyway. (laughs) But half the time, it's not the devil, friends. But in the midst of it all, God is doing something. God is creating a thirst for him. Don't you want a deep thirst? Don't you want a deep filling? Well, he's going to do a deep work. See, are we cross? It's simple. Oh, don't be ignorant of that person. Love that person. Be nice to your wife. Don't shout at the kids. That wee cross is simple. It's easy. I apply that cross. Friends, I want to tell you the cross that he applies. I want to tell you it cuts deep. It goes right deep. That pruning process, David Wilkerson, he just comes along and there's no escape. Friends, I want to tell you you're in the mighty hand of an almighty God. Verse 5, the psalmist cries, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now what he's doing, he's trying now to escape the hand of God. But friends, when God's doing something, you can't pull yourself out from under it. He tries to pick himself up, do what we always do. He brings it down to the natural and says, I'm going to hope in God. I know what I'll do. I'll continually praise him. Goes to church, this heaviness is upon him. He's in the dry place. I know what I'll do. I've hoped in God. My natural thinking of a hope in me again, it'll all work out. Friends, all these things are right, but that's just the natural. This man just tries to brush off. He says, I'll just pick myself up. I'll just walk this thing through. I'll get through it. As stiff as a board, I'll get through it. There'll not be a smile on my face. There'll not be a crack on my forehead. This man just brushes off the things he doesn't understand. I'll walk through, I'll hope in God. I'll try a few words of self-help. We say things like all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to your purpose. But friends, it's just words of our mouth and it hasn't entered into our heart. We go home just as depressed as we came. I'll trust in God, I'll trust him again. I know what I'll do, I'll pick up the old man and I'll praise him one more time. But friends, we know so well that method never lasts. That method only ever lasted to verse 6. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Friends, when God's doing something in your life, you just can't pull yourself out from under it. I had a believer say to me last week, I feel trapped and I can't do anything about it. Friends, you're not trapped. You're in the safest place you could ever be. You're in the mighty hand of an almighty God. All things do work together for good to them that love God. And are called according to his purpose. He says in verse 6. But therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. And of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. He says basically God I'll remember you from Jordan. And two other places that couldn't be any more further away from Jerusalem. What he's saying he's saying I'll remember thee. God I'll remember you even though we seem so far apart. He's saying I'll remember you God. 
He's accusing God, even though you've forgotten me. Even though you're forgetting me, God. I'm faithful, I'll remember you. Verse 7, even though your waves and your billows go over me, even even though the storms come, even though I'm in this terrible hurricane, you've forgotten me, but I'll remember you. I'll still call out to you, and God, I will remember you, even though you've passed me by. Even though with all your power to offer me comfort, you continually pass me by. He says, I've not forgotten you, even though you're forgetting me. But friends, listen this morning. Listen to me this morning. God has not forgotten you. We need to understand all of this is happening to a man or a woman who really doesn't understand what is going on in their life. It's all happening in his life because he loves the Lord. It's all happening because he's been crying on to God. It's happening because he's hungry for God. God is doing something. Friends, God has not forgotten you this morning. You see, he probably thinks these thoughts that he's penning are just his thoughts. But you see, you and I know, friends, there's another hand greater and more knowledgeable than his hand guiding him to write what he wrote. He's writing what has been penned. All scripture is written and inspired by the Holy Ghost. God is using this man to write these words. Yes, he has the feelings. But friends, I want to tell you, God's in control of everything this morning. Friends, in everything we do, there's a hand that's covering and controlling these lives. There's always somebody walking with us. There's always somebody talking with us. There's always someone saying, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We think in the natural mind, God has grieved with me. Therefore, he has left me and gone off into another galaxy. And if I pray and if I read more, when he's no longer angry, he'll leave the galaxy and come back and dwell with me again. Friends, that is utter foolishness. He's not far away. He hasn't forgotten you when he saved you. He came to abide in you. He can't get any closer than that this morning. He leaves us, friends. If he was to leave us, we would be dead in our trespass and sins this morning. Friends, God does not leave those who have been bought by his precious blood this morning. The thirst isn't because of God's absence. It was because of his closeness with God that this distress was coming. He's longing. It's not because of sin, friends. Don't get mixed up. But this thirst is coming because this man or this woman in this case in this place this morning is because of their thirsting and their desire to get closer with God. He's longing and he's thirsting after God. It was not, it's not that he's far away. He's closer than he's ever been. Charles Finney said the man that is far away from God is often a man who feels good about himself, feels good about his church attendance, feels good about his Bible, the newness of his clothes, about the amount he's able to give to the offering. He feels very good about himself, so good about himself. He comes into the house of God, he criticizes and condemns everyone around him. But yet the man who is drawing close to God always has the sensation that he is becoming undone. Isaiah says, I am a man that is undone. Becoming undone because he's drawing closer to God in his understanding. And when you and I begin to draw closer to God, everything like Christ has to be challenged in our lives, friends. You want that river to flow through that life. Friends, it's going to be less of you and more of him. It's going to be you that decreases and him that increases. But friends, we, when we begin to draw closer to God, everything like Christ has to be challenged. We'll readily cast off all the bad things. 
will readily cast off alcohol and drugs, will readily cast off bitterness, but we tend to hold on to those things we think are good. But Christ says, if you want to know me, and if you want to know the power of this life manifested in you, some of those things you think are good are going to have to go. Friends, God is not forgotten you. God is creating a thirst for him. The psalmist cries, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. This man, through the pen of the Holy Spirit, is describing himself as a deer. He has a concept of himself, but God has another one. We see ourselves as the one pursuing God, but on the other hand, he's the one pursuing us. The characteristics of a deer are that they are graceful. A deer leaps over fences. They're a graceful animal. They're prancy-dancy. They're good-looking. They're nice to look at. We Bambi in the movie, so graceful. Even when they run, their tail flips up, and they jump over hedges, and they prance, and they dance, and they're all appealing to the eye. They're a nice-looking animal. They're stealthful. They're quiet. They're always keeping one eye open for the preserving of themselves. They're always watching out for themselves. And friends, that's where every man and woman would settle in their relationship with God. A deer is just like you and I. And if God is not provoking us into a deeper understanding of Christ, we're just like the deer, always preserving ourselves. We'll settle for the norm. We'll settle for what we've already gotten, God. We'll settle for what others admire in us. Brent, you can speak well. Brent, you've got a gift for outreach. But friends, that's not what God wants. He wants everything of this life this morning. We settle for what looks good. We soak up the praise of men like a big sponge. We stay secure. We stay where we are. We settle for that which preserves self. Life, friends, we settle for that for which preserves self. Friends, life's good. Church is good. Family's good. The service is good. But friends, that will be the end of our walk in the house of God. Friends, if that is where you stay. But friends, God doesn't want you to stay there. Doesn't want you to stay there. He's pursuing you this morning. What happens is we end up in a dry place. Because God doesn't want us to settle just for that which is good. He wants us to enter into everything he's desired. And to set destined our life to be. God says because you've desired me. I'm going to bring you out of all that falls short. Of what I've destined your life to be. You're crying out to me. So I'm going to bring distress into your life. All the bushes you want to hide behind, I'm going to remove. I'm going to bring a dryness into your life. I'm going to dry up all the water where you are. I'm going to send a drought. There's going to be nothing. There'll be no satisfaction. I'm going to bring you to a point where nothing else will do. I'm going to send the famine for water in your soul that even the praise and the compliments of men won't even satisfy. Friends, that's the closeness of God. Friends, that's not God running to another galaxy. That's God coming close to you this morning. God says, you want to know what I'm going to do to bring you into what I've destined you to be? I'm going to bring you right through to the river of life. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, there's a river of life this morning. Friends, God's not satisfied with us drinking at the broken cisterns. God's not satisfied with us just making it through, going through the motions, friends. He wants to bring us right through to the river of life this morning. He wants revival just as much as we do. God says, you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring you to that river of life. I'm going to bring you to the only source of true life. And that's the life of Almighty God lived through us. There's no other life, friends. 
There's no other substitute. Nothing else will do, friends. Friends, you'll never be satisfied. I don't believe anybody in this room will ever be satisfied with playing church. Friends, we need life this morning. As the deer pants for the water, one word that is poorly translated in the King James is the word panteth. The word panteth is really breath. It's the sound that a donkey makes. They start off, you see, Middle Eastern hunters have reported that when these deer, when they hunt these deer, they start off so well. They start off so good looking. They start off prancy dancy, not a her out of place. But as they're being chased through the forest and as that hunter continues to pursue them, as he drives them from one hiding place to another, they start to tire and they lose their gracefulness. They're then driven out into the open and as they tire and weary out in the open where they have nowhere else to run, they stop running and it's reported that they begin to bray like donkeys. You don't know what a donkey sounds like. I'll make that sound for you. It's a breathing out and it's a breathing in. It's a... That's the sound very closely of a donkey this morning. It's the most ungracious sound in the animal kingdom. It's a sound of a breathing out and a breathing in. But this sound changes the meaning of the whole psalm. It's not just a little deer prancing through the field. He's not just friends. Oh, I'd love a little taste of God. It's not the wee song. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Friends, it's the deer of the middle of a field going, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I want you to quench the thirsting of my soul. It's a deer, friends. It's the first, friends. It's not the thirst that you have, friends. Is there a thirst and a cry in your heart this morning, friends? Is there a thirst? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, friends. Because, friends, for the deer to come out into the open and cry like that, it's just cast off its greatest natural instinct. The strongest natural instinct is to preserve self. But in that moment, it begins to cry. It is exposed to the prey. It is exposed to lions. It is exposed to everything that it is naturally fleeing. But it doesn't care anymore. No longer any fear of disclosure because there's a greater need, because there's being confronted with the greatest need of all. I need living water. Friends, God is driving you out from the hiding places this morning. He's moving you from bush to bush, friends, because he wants you to come to this place where you'll cry, I'm thirsty for you this morning. I need living water. There's going to be no life left to live. The deer in effect is saying, I don't care who knows. I don't care who sees. I don't care what people think. I want God and I want them with all my heart. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. I don't care who knows. But if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. It's the blind men at the side of the road when everyone else is telling them to shut up and be quiet. They're crying out, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. God is saying, I'm drawing you out. I'm drawing you out because you want me. Because you have put a cry. I have put a cry on you. In the places that hinder you, I will dry them up. And you won't find any water there. I'm going to draw you to the real source of life this morning. The only source that God, that satisfies. God says, I'm bringing you right through to the river of life. Friends, there is a river this morning that makes glad this city. 
of our God. Even if you're not aware of it, whether you maybe don't know about it, God saw you and I and decided there's going to be hungry hearts and thirsty hearts in this building this morning. God saw there was going to be thirsty souls in a building in New Testament church, Balna Hinch. And friends, I want to tell you, he's pre-planned for his river, the Holy Spirit, to bring healing and restoration to all that are thirsty and gathered in his house this morning. Friends, there it is, a river that can deliver this morning. There is a river that can set free. There's a river that can heal, friends. He says, and if any man thirst, let him come unto me and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Friends, there is a river that flows deep from deep within. There is a river here to meet your need. Everything we need this morning is in that river. Healing, deliverance, breakthrough, financial, spiritual, emotional. Everything you need is found in the river of life. Friends, the river is still flowing in the church today. But friends, we got to know this morning just a few points I want to make friends this morning. we got to know where that river comes from. You see, it's not a natural river. As I said, it's not the lagging or the coil. But friends, I want to tell you something. It's the river of God this morning. It tells us in Revelation 22 and 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. It tells us the living water flows from the very throne of God. In Ezekiel chapter 47, it tells us this river flowed from the house of God. The river flowed from the altar. Friends, the river flows this morning from the throne and from the altar of God. The river flows this morning because of Calvary. Without a Calvary, there could never be a Pentecost this morning. The wee song says, there's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison's doors, and sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. But it's because in verse 2 it says, He paid the price. There's a fountain flowing from the Savior's side. All my sins forgiven in the precious tide. Jesus paid the price. When for me he died, there's a fountain flowing from the Savior's side. There's a risen Savior at the Father's throne, ever interceding for his very own, pouring down the blessings that are his alone. There's a risen Savior at the Father's throne. Friends, there is a river this morning. There is a river that makes glad. There is a river that makes glad the city and the people of God. Jesus said to his disciples, it's important for you that I go away. For if I do not go, the Holy Spirit could not come. Friends, he didn't leave us powerless. Didn't leave us powerless this morning. He equipped us for everything we have to do this morning. Friends, there is a river. Everything flows from Calvary this morning. As Jesus stood on that rock, they say he stood on a rock. As he stood on that rock and he opened up his arms, that rock that represented the rock that followed them through the wilderness for 40 years, pouring out millions of gallons of water every day. He stood in that rock and he opened up his arms and he says, if any man thirst at the end of all their great rituals, on the last and the great day of the feast, after they'd poured out those two jugs of water, he says at the end of it all, at the end of their rituals, at the every end of all their religious experience, he stood on that rock and he says, I'm everything that that represents. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water 
Friends, there is a river this morning, but we need to know where the river comes from. When you go on your holidays, maybe you're told in some countries not to drink the water because it's dirty and not safe to drink. We don't know where it comes from. Some places, if you decide to drink the water, you may as well spend the rest of your holiday in the hotel room where something comes from is a matter of great importance. As a young kid, when you picked up something to stick it in your mouth, your mom would say, put that down. You don't know where it's been. But friends, this is God's river. This river comes from the throne of God. It tells us in Acts chapter 2, it came as a mighty rushing wind from heaven. It came from heaven. The river is God's seal of approval on everything that his son done. They don't come any purer than the river of God. There's no dirt in it. It's not too salty. It's not too hard. It's glory water this morning. Because of Calvary this morning, it's been opened to you and me. And he says, if any man thirst, let him come. Friends, the church has got to get back to the living water one more time. We've got to get our eyes off the natural resources and back onto the resources of God. The answer for everything we need, friends, it comes from the river. But friends, we don't need to know, only need to know where it comes from. We need this morning to be reminded exactly what this river does. Ezekiel tells us the river is a supernatural river and everything it touches comes to life. Ezekiel 47 and 9, And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth whithsoever the river shall come shall live. Friends, don't we need the river this morning? Everything shall live and there shall be a great multitude of fish. Friends, we need the river this morning for the great harvest of souls for this day. Because these waters shall come hither for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Everything the river touches shall live and be healed. He talks about it flowing into the Dead Sea, a place where nothing can live, a place where boats can't even sail, fish can't even swim. It's a dead place. But God says, I'm going to bring healing and I'm going to make it live. Friends, everything we need for life is in that river. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Healing, restoration, deliverance, peace, rest, a miracle working touch from God all comes from the river of the Holy Ghost. Life comes back to the church when the river flows. But until the river flows, we'll be encumbered with the worries of life. Friends, I need to come back. We need to come back to the real river. We need to come back to the fountain of life. Friends, are you ready? Are you ready for the river to flow? Are you ready for the water to come over the knees and the ankles? Are you ready for the waters to swim in? Who needs the river of God to flow in their life one more time? Who needs, friends, the third thing we need to know about this river is the length and the breadth of it. Ezekiel 47, verses 3 and 5, he measured it a thousand cubits and went up to the ankles, another thousand and it went up to the knees, another thousand and it went up to the loins. And then he says there's waters to swim in. This isn't some lazy river, friends, that we all jump into a rubber ring and we all float around. This is the river of God that will break loose and begin to flow and heal everything it touches. It's a river that cannot be measured, friends. It's the same river that flowed 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost that healed everything it came in contact with. It's a river that will bring healing and restoration to your life this morning. There's an abundant supply. And he says, if any man thirst, let him come. I believe if you have a thirst this morning, that river 
will begin to flow. Because there is a river. And when this river begins to move, you're maybe going to have to move out of your seat this morning. You'll maybe have to open your mouth and praise Him. And then the person beside you, might, they might have to get up and they might have to move. Because everything the water touches, God says He's going to cause it to lift. Amen. Friends, if one person gets a touch, another one will get a touch, the next one will get a touch, and friends, the river will begin to flow in this house this morning. It's a real river. There's an abundance of God's grace this morning. It's a river that cannot be measured. There's waters to swim in. One last thing before I finish. The first problem was there was no thirst. The second problem, or not the problem, secondly, God creates the thirst. But lastly, we have a responsibility to thirst after God. There has to be a thirst. There has to be a thirst or you'll die. There has to be a thirst or you'll perish. Friends, if we are not thirsty, we're close to death. John 19 and verse 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he saith, I thirst. See, friends, Christ also knew what it is to thirst. The Bible says he not only came down, but it says that he was made in our likeness. He knew what it was to touch. He knew what it was to feel. He knew the sorrow. He knew tears. The Bible says he was pointed, he was tempted in all points as we like we are. You see, it was here for the first time in John 19 that Christ bore my iniquity and your iniquity upon himself. It was here, as Brother Andy shared on Friday night, it was here that a great darkness came upon the earth and Christ was separated from God the Father. As he hangs on that cross, he had never in the whole of eternity known this feeling. Never knew what it was to be separated from the Father. Tells us in the book of John that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. And then the Word was God and all things were made by Him. He had never left the sight of the Father. He was always part of the Trinity. He was there when they decided in the book of Genesis, let us make man in our image. He's a triune God always in the bosom of the Father. He said, let, him make it, let us make them in our image. And then it says, in his own image, he created them, both male and female, in his own image. He was always with the Father. He was always part of that trinity. We see it at the Jordan River, Christ the Son being baptized by John the Baptist. There's a voice coming out of heaven saying, for this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Then you see the Holy Ghost coming down, lighting upon him and remaining on him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost always working together. Never been apart for all of eternity. Tells us in the book of Hebrews, Jesus the Son offered himself unto God without spot through the Spirit. Always working in, together in creation, the Jordan River at Calvary. As he offered himself without spot and without blemish. Jesus said, I go nowhere. I go nowhere unless the Father tells me. I don't see anything but what he tells me to say. 
He never thought an angry thought. Never did an angry deed. He said, I and my father, we are one. And he's hanging there. And as he's hanging there, never been any separation between creation and Calvary. But for the first time, because he chose to bear my sin and yours, on that cross we hear him cry the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Father, where are you? I cannot feel your presence. I do not sense your spirit is with me anymore. I feel absolutely abandoned and deserted. It had to be the strangest feeling he had ever felt or known. The creator is now hanging on the cross. But above all the pain of the spikes in his hands, the crown of thorns on his brow, the spikes in his feet, and as he was taken and beaten with a reed, as he was beaten unrecognizable, out of all the pain, he never said, Father, I hurt. He never said, I'm agonizing with pain. Will you heal me? He never said, would you help me? He said, Father, I thirst. He said, Father, I'm thirsty for you. They offered him vinegar mixed with gall. They put it to his mouth, but it says he refused. Friends, I believe what he was saying is, I'm not that kind of thirsty. I'm not thirsty for the water of this world. I'm thirsty for God. My spirit longs to be reunited with my Father. My spirit longs to feel the Holy Ghost again. I'm thirsty for God. I'm thirsty for God. I'm thirsty for my Father. Friends, are we truly thirsty? Even Christ taught us to be thirsty. We have a need of thirst. If he's not moving in our midst, our natural cry ought to be, we're thirsty for the move of God. If he's not working in our midst, we ought to say we're thirsty. God, I'm thirsty to see your mighty hand work in our children. We ought to say I'm thirsty to see your mighty hand work in my wife or my husband. It should be, God, I'm thirsty to see your mighty hand work in my brother or, thirst, or sister. Lord, I'm thirsty to hear your word. Lord, I'm thirsty to feel your spirit. Lord, I'm thirsty, O oh God, to be in your presence. This should be the heart cry of every human being in this place this morning. If God wasn't too proud, neither should we be. We should cry the same thing, Father, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for a book of Acts revival. Lord, I'm thirsty to see souls saved. Lord, I'm thirsty to see the sickness and disease lifted from your body. I'm ready to see it come to the end. I'm ready to see someone raised up and healed. God, I want to see your power one more time in this earth. Lord, I'm thirsty to see your power move one more time on your church like I know it can. Lord, I'm thirsty to do what you've called us to do and see. Lord, I'm really thirsty to see a revival in my home and in my land and in my church. The cry should be this morning, Lord, I'm thirsty. Will you fill me? Friends, and Jesus stood on that rock. He opened up his arms. And he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And out of his belly shall flow rivers 
of living water. Friends, are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty for God this morning? Friends, God wants to fill you more than you want to be filled this morning. You know, friends, as I was preparing this message, I do believe we need to minister before the Lord this morning. I do believe we need to respond to God's word. But God's presence was in the house last week, at the end of the meeting after Brother Stephen preached. But friends, I want to tell you, it was only a little bit of everything that God wants to give us this morning. It's only a little bit. Some people went away home last week. They got a touch that morning. They went away home last week and you've come back this morning. And you're just as bad or you're maybe worse this morning. Friends, I want to tell you, God stands this morning. Christ stands this morning. And I thought this because so often, see, we're longing for things of God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. There's a hunger and a thirst for a move of God in our lives. But so often we can become afraid to ask him one more time. So often we can become afraid. I've become afraid to ask him to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes, unless faith rises in my heart, but sometimes I can be afraid to ask him. But friends, God wants to fill me with the Holy Ghost and with power. God wants to fill every life in this room. But so often we can become afraid. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus stands this morning. He says, I'm not afraid of your need this morning. If any man thirst, whatever that need this morning, he says, if any man thirst, if you have a thirst this morning, that's it. He says, let him come unto me, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water this morning. Amen. Amen. Just ask the musicians to come this morning. Friends, if you need prayer this morning, we're just going to leave these altars open this morning. We're going to come before the Lord. Is there a thirsting for God this morning? Is there a thirsting for him? Friends, we need him this morning. We need the river of God to flow in our midst. And everything that it touches, it says once it begins to flow, it will heal everything in this house this morning. Friends, there is a river. There is a river this morning.